Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. We're back for part two of my interview with two-time Super Bowl champion, as I told him I'm going to address him, Adam Timmerman. This one is going to be a little different than the first one. The first one we talked football stories, what it was like playing with legends and Hall of Famers and all sorts of fun stuff we talked about at the end with like Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen and hardest people to guard and block and all that. This one is going to be talking about faith. Uh, Adam came to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in his playing career um, through Reggie White, inviting him to Bible studies, you know, just your casual everyday uh, story about how someone came to know the Lord because of the greatest defensive player who ever lived and, and breathed Reggie White, just your casual story. His story is awesome. It's great. And I hope it inspires you. I hope it motivates you to want to seek out faith and seek out God and seek out Christ. It's such a powerful thing that we can have in our lives. Um, I came to know Christ in 2002. It completely changed my life. I couldn't be happier to have a relationship with Jesus. It's it's the best decision you can make, honestly. And I'm super pumped and I'm super proud of people like Adam and Reggie White in their playing careers. They were on such a big platform. Um, they had such a huge platform, such a big following of, of people. And they were adamant in their faith. They lived out their faith confidently and boldly. They weren't ashamed. And that's something that's really awesome. And that's something we need more of in this world. We need more men to live boldly for Christ. We need more people to live boldly for Christ. And um, I'm just, the conversation was awesome. It was fun to hear how certain things in his life um, were affected by his faith. We get deep and personal about a tragic thing that Adam went through not long after he came to know the Lord and how that affected his life. I've been through a lot of bad stuff in my life, and having Jesus in those moments in my life helped me get through it. And so I know this is a little different than the normal episodes we do, but I think you're going to love it. Some great stories. We still have some great conversation. So um, I hope you enjoy this conversation. It was great. I'm so gracious to Adam for his time. And here is part two of my conversation with Adam Timmerman. We are back with part two of my conversation with Super Bowl champion. Is that how you prefer to be addressed? Yes. Yeah, Super Bowl yeah. champion, Adam Timberman. <laughs> I'm not picky, but yeah, <laughs> that will do. <laughs> well, uh, obviously one of my favorite things about you is that you played football. You're a lineman. I'm a fellow lineman. I love to watch line play when I like uh, when I watch the games and stuff. But my favorite thing about you is that you're a man of faith. You have a relationship with Christ and you're a Christian. And so that's what this conversation is going to tailor more around just Christian faith and how that affected, 
your play and your life as a family man and stuff. Um, and so I guess just to start off with how and maybe when did you come to a saving faith in Christ? Um, tell me a little bit about your faith story. Well, it was, um, I grew up going to church, getting, getting drugged to church by my mom and dad, by the, you know, grab you by the ear, throw, oh, yeah. you, throw you in the car and make, force you to go to Sunday school and, yep. and church and everything. And, and I didn't really see the, the value in it or whatever. But, um, so that was, that was my first, uh, uh I guess exposure to, uh, religion, call sure. it, um, Methodist church, um, and uh, I, you know, went went to Sunday school, went through confirmation classes, memorized the books of the Bible, did that kind of stuff. Uh, when you got through eighth grade, they give you a Bible, you know, and I'm opening that up, think all excited about it, and start reading it, and I'm like, I don't understand this. Yeah. You know? So put put it away, put it on a <laughs> shelf, and uh, didn't really revisit it for a lot of years. Um, and I, I, pro- I guess I viewed my faith at that point as kind of fire insurance, you know. So yeah. Um, but pretty much was just living for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, things, I guess, were kind of working out for me. I got recruited to play college football in South Dakota State, went up there, um, was having some success at football and, and going to school. Everything was going good. Um, I got drafted to the Packers in 1995. And um, I remember after practice one day in, in training camp, Reggie White comes up, you know, and the coach always brings everybody up at the end of practice, like, hey, bring it up, bring it up. And they talk for a little while. And they're like, all right, break down. Well, then uh, Reggie's like, Hey guys, we're having a Bible study in the basement of the dorms. So uh, I'm like, I look at my my roommate. And I'm like, hey, we we got we got to go to that. I'm like, if, if I'm going to make this team, it's going to take a lot of prayer, you know. So uh, we show up at the basement of the dorm, and we're first because you know rookies. We thought we were going to get fined for even being late to Bible study, but um, we weren't. So as these guys were walking in, and it was it was Reggie and Ken Rutgers and. And um, there were several other uh, Christian men on this team that are walking in to lead the Bible study. And I'm sitting there as a rookie, but I'm seeing these guys walk in. And we'd been there for many camps and part of training camp at this point, but the, the off-season program and everything. And I'm just thinking about these guys as they're walking in. Hey, these are the guys that treated the rookies all right and, and weren't swearing and weren't talking about going to the bars and cheating on their wives and yeah. all this other stuff. And right there, I just kind of felt like God was talking to me that um, yeah. I really wasn't as aware in tune with his plan for my life. But I just felt like he had me sitting in that room that night just to, to speak to me and yeah. uh, through those men. And uh, throughout that season in my rookie rookie year, um, you know, they led me to Christ. Uh, you know, I learned that, that I'm a sinner, that I need him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ask, basically gave, gave him my life at that point. And uh, definitely changed the course of what the rest of my football career would be. Um, because then I knew through that relationship that I was probably playing football for him. And that yeah. was going to be my platform uh, later in life after football was over, um, that that was going to be my platform to share Christ with others. So, um, yeah, it was awesome. We had a great group of men on that team and, and just some awesome conversations late, you know, later on that year when, when couples Bible study started, my wife and I, we were able to kind of grow in our Christian faith together. And uh, that was fun. Also, just yeah. we were newly married, and uh, I know our marriage wouldn't be the same if we didn't have Christ in the middle of it. So, yeah, um, yeah, just just a very very uh, awesome blessing. I'm glad it happened uh, my rookie year and not my last year. So, amen to uh, that. Yeah, so just an awesome time to be there, and, and very blessed to have it. And we had a chaplain, Steve Newman, who was with Athletes in Action at the time. Oh, cool. Um, and went to some Christian conferences called PAO Pro Athlete Outreach uh, in the off seasons, and mm-hmm. and. Um, Later on, Eugene Robinson came to the Packers and and uh, Keith Jackson. We just had some awesome men on that team that knew their Bible and could could teach the word 
And um, I, I just think that's what discipleship is. It's like learning the word so we can teach others the word. Mm-hmm. And, and that community on that team was was awesome. Just like, you know, casual. Mm-hmm. Anyone on earth can say, yeah, Reggie White helped me become a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a, like, that's so, it's such a unique, like, faith story because you got this guy who's, one of the faces of the league, mm-hmm. but also very outspoken as a believer, which is maybe, maybe was more normal back then. It probably might be a little more controversial now, obviously, but um, I mean, he kind of answered it, but maybe the impact Reggie had on your spiritual life. Was he someone who was always there daily while you were playing with him as a mentor, maybe even after you weren't his teammate anymore and what it was like maybe to watch him as an outspoken man of faith while still being the face of, you know, the most popular league on the, planet yeah yeah it was awesome to to have him uh be a leader on our team and also be uh, you know uh, very open about his faith he, he and sarah both uh, had had a um impact on my wife and i mm-hmm. um just being at the packers and, and the leadership position that they were in and uh you know the people think of the people they affected and and mm-hmm. you know reggie and sarah are probably part of a lot of people's testimony in fact shane williamson the, the fca president and ceo right now uh you know heard uh Heard the gospel through Reggie had came and spoke somewhere, and, and yeah. which we have that in common. But uh, that's awesome. Thinking of all the people that they had affected uh, through their career and through them being open about their faith. So yeah, um, yeah, just just a phenomenal man. And the other thing is just the way that he played football. Um, he was unapologetic about the intensity that he played the game with, and I think that was also encouraging for young Christian people. It's like, well, we're not out here to play football like nice, mm-hmm. um, you know. Obviously, uh, our Christian faith preaches love, but we're not on the field to uh, be, you know, very. We're, we're we're out there to love, but we're out there to play intense, and that's yeah. how we honor and glorify God. I think is how we use the talents that uh, that God has given us for for His glory. Yeah, Amen. I imagine um, trying to word this like in a clear manner. I imagine when you get to a level like you guys were at NFL players, it's like. One of the more notable things, like as a career you can do in the world, people know athletes. You probably, is it maybe easier, do you think, for guys in those locker rooms, especially when you got people from all walks of life, there's probably not people who are Christians, but is it easier when you get to that stage in your life where you're so successful on maybe such a big stage where you just don't care what people think about you? Is it easier to be convicted about your faith and live it out? Because if some random Joe on the street is making fun of you or saying you're saying something bad about you because you're a Christian. Like, what do I care? I'm playing in the NFL, right? I got a pretty good life. Is it, is it easier for guys at that level, you think, to live their faith out, or you still have to maybe walk on eggshells sometimes you feel in the locker room? Yeah. Um, yeah I never thought about it that way, but um, might be the same. Yeah. Because um, there's really nothing easy about it. Yeah. Um, but it's re- it's rewarding. I mean, I, w- I would recommend it, obviously, to anyone. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know if it'd be harder or easier, but yeah, you could just say, okay, well, what, whatever. You mm-hmm. know? But you could probably you could probably do that in any walk of life. But it, it's the Christian life is is definitely not easy. Uh, mm-hmm. Simple but easy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, simple does not mean easy, which which is like I had somebody explain this to me about uh, people that have an, an alcohol problem. It's like it's simple, stop drinking. Yeah, but is it easy? No, mm-hmm. it's not. Um, so, you know, become a Christian, it's easy, you know, give your life to Christ. Well, you know, that's, that's simple, but yeah. that's not easy. So, no, it's not. um, I guess there are a lot more temptations maybe, or different temptations 
um, you know, playing your NFL career, there, there are some different temptations you could come across than, than maybe the average Joe, but um, there, there are no new temptation, temptations known to man, mm-hmm. you know, so true. Um, I'd say it's a, it's maybe same or could be could be worse. I don't know. I'd have to think about that one yeah. a little longer. <laughs> that's a good uh, good hey, insight. I like though. to make you think. That is your yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, an observation I've made, and maybe like the past decade, kind of uh, what I've been noticing is I feel like Christian faith is starting to be a little more common or maybe more outspoken now, like in locker rooms within. I feel like it's maybe more towards NFL, but you're seeing it more with like. NFL guys who are outspoken now about their faith on Twitter or Facebook or something, and even on TV now. And then a lot of them are starting to come out since that DeMar Hamlin mm-hmm. injury recently. But um, I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed that too. I, I feel like it's just becoming more outspoken among NFL players and maybe more accepted or people are more interested in it. I don't know. That's an observation I've made. Maybe it's completely inaccurate i don't know if you've noticed that or what your thoughts are you know I'd, I'd be curious if num- numbers are up and numbers yeah. don't say everything i guess either but um i i think it was very strong back when i played it was kind of funny though and I, I of course i watched things like that but like after the game was over we would always meet with the other team on the 50 yard line and we would, we would either hold hands or whatever get in a huddle and we'd pray after mm-hmm. the game they very seldom showed it you know, mm-hmm. and when I tell people that, they're like, oh, yeah, I've never seen that shown, you know. Well, now now I kind of watch after the game and I can usually see it. But you really have to be watching for it. Yeah. Um, or once in a while, somebody will they'll, they'll, they'll grab the quarterback or whoever was the MVP or whatever. And they'll, they'll do an interview. And you can kind of see it in the background if they mess it up. But you'll actually kind of see them move the camera over to to not get uh, it in there yeah. in the view. And, and um, yeah, and I remember there were there were several interviews like around Super Bowl time when there was nothing else to talk about. And that's the only time they usually talk to the offensive line too. If you're in the Super Bowl, it was just, it's the only. Yeah. It's, oops, excuse me. It's the only game in town. Sure. So um, then they would talk about faith and and some different things as well. But um, yeah, I don't know if there were, the numbers would actually be up um, or more open or not open. Definitely, there's been a spotlight. As it's funny to watch watch God work. Yeah. And um, it, through the Demar Hamlin injury. Yep. And you know, I don't think I've ever seen anyone pray on a major network on ESPN. You know, with everybody. Yeah, that watching. was awesome. That was awesome. And uh, kind of was like the stuff I do with FCA too. It's like, hey, we had a front row seat to see what God was going to do. Yeah. Amen. And, and awesome to to bring Demar yeah. back. Basically, he's recovering. Yeah. And you know what an awesome thing. And yeah. And I know there were people praying for him. So yeah. Um, when you pray and, and things happen, we we sometimes forget to actually give God the credit. Yeah. Um, so it's awesome to see and. And uh, how he, especially you wonder through the whole COVID thing, you wondered where, you know, a lot of people wondered where God was, you know, while that was all going on Mm -hmm. or or when bad things happened to to good people or just bad things happen in general. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he's always there, always, um, you know, and and God is good. You know, we don't always see why we're going through these trials, but, um, uh, you know, he does, he has the plan and and we have to trust him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it's so important for, People who do have faith or why I feel like people, I wish more did have faith because when you see stuff like that or when you see bad stuff happen, I'm not saying if you're a Christian, you know why it's happening, but it's easier to maybe accept or understand that there's a plan for it mm-hmm. from a perfect savior. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's easier to not get upset and mad and like want to lash out when you see bad stuff happening because, you know, there's a purpose for it all. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we don't always mindset. understand, but we know there is a purpose, yeah. and, and we know there's a plan, and yeah. uh, where we fit into that plan. Sometimes we just need a little reminder. But yeah. yeah. Well, this uh, something I like. I always say is uh, 
I feel like people should travel as much as they can, especially like abroad into other cultures because you experience what other people are living like. You experience other cultures. I've, I talk a lot about uh, when I went to Guatemala, I saw people like living like we went indigenous Guatemala and they're like the nicest, most caring, loving people living with almost nothing compared to what we have here in this mm. world. And so that kind of relates out to an NFL locker room. What I was getting at is an NFL locker room. I mean, it's one of the most diverse places on earth from mm. all cultures, all walks of life. Um, and I feel like maybe being in that environment for as long as you did and for people who are in a locker room, it helps you develop like compassion or maybe care for certain people. And that helps develop your faith too. And so I didn't know if that had a big uh, impact on your life and influence on your life as a man of God to show compassion and understanding towards people now as you're older in your faith or whatever, because you experienced how you need to love your fellow man or your fellow brother who's from a completely different walk of life than you. I mean, being in a locker room, that's got to help you become a more understanding person maybe absolutely um you know of course being from northwest iowa we, we didn't have a lot of yeah. exposure to <laughs> many minorities you yeah. know in cherokee iowa and yep. and uh you know the like a, a reference in it when we're talking about football like harry galbraith reached out to me um you know to help me with my football skills so i could make the team you know and i'm very mm -hmm. grateful for him um and then you know reggie white and eugene robinson these guys are you know these are these are black players that mm -hmm. reached out to me to show me christ and um show me what his love was all about. And um, so that I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It, it's a di diverse uh, climate in the locker room. I really never gave it any thought because um, I, I really just didn't have any exposure. And uh, by the time I guess I was in the locker room, I didn't, they were just, they were just guys. Yeah. Um, it's, it, I guess the best part was becoming close to um, the guys on the team that I played with because you get close enough to them. And it's like, Hey, you know, I don't know. Should I should I call you African American or should, or should I what should I say? He goes, well, just call me a black guy. I, I'd call you a white guy. That's I, I was asking Tory Holt that. He's like, I'm like, oh yeah, true. You know. So um, it, when you get close with people and you have a relationship, it's just that's the awesome part. That's when you fully yeah. understand people. But then pretty quick, you don't really notice. Am I talking to a black guy or a white guy? You just mm -hmm. that kind of just goes away. We're on the same team, and that was that was the neat part about that Demar mm -hmm. Hamlin uh, story. You saw. It didn't matter uh, who it was on the team. They were all – you could see they were upset just, just yep. uh, what was going on. And, and it was a life-or-death situation. So, um, yeah, and I, I think, too, if there's only – if there's one place on the world uh, that there is not um, – how do I want to say it? Not, not really um, – you are judged on your performance, it would be on the NFL field. Yeah. Because the coaches, if they don't win, they get fired. Yep. That's obvious. So if, if you were going to go with the player that can give you the best chance of winning. So it's not like, hey, we're going to take this guy over that guy because he's he's white or he's black or he's from a big school or a small school or a high round draft choice or not. Mm -hmm. We're going to go with the best guy. And and uh, I think the system breaks down if that doesn't happen. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that, that part is very evident and very obvious to me. That that's how it was when I was in the NFL. It was like, hey, we, we go with the best the best fifty three guys, and we we put the best eleven on the field. Sure, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Um, I'm gonna switch to dad life with some questions. Here. Yeah, okay. So you had Mason was born in Green Bay, right? Yep. Was he one. the only 
you had multiple kids in while you were playing. Yeah, we had him in 1999, March of 99, and we signed like two weeks before that. So we moved right okay. after he was born to St. Louis. Okay, so he lives in Green Bay for just a couple, couple weeks. weeks. Yeah. Okay. So what's it like being? He came um, out with a cheese head when he was born. <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to be in his blood. Yeah. <laughs> I will say on uh, when we're when we're together on Sunday nights for youth group stuff at church, if the Packers are playing or the Vikings or someone. He's we're we're watching on his phone. He's either very vehemently rooting for or against one of the teams playing. <laughs> yep. So you know if he's like if he's rooting hard for a team that's that isn't the Packers, they'll probably be playing the Vikings. Well, that's that could be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's it like? I guess what was it like being a dad? You're trying to lead a family while also playing a very demanding sport. You know, demanding both physically but also on your time and your traveling and stuff. I mean, your faith probably played a role in that. Um, your dependence on God to help you maybe be okay with being gone and help talk to your wife through that. I mean, what's it like being a dad while living that life? Yeah. Well, you know, I think as far as uh, any professional sport, football is the sport. You can be a family man um, and, and play professional football because if you think about it, at least back in the day, we didn't play as many Thursday night games. And, True. And all the, we played either Monday night or Sunday. For the most part, sure. maybe later in the year, I think we went to a th- was a Thursday night after the after the college team yeah. got done playing, but that was more rare. So really, we had one game a week, and it was on Sunday. So if we had to travel, we wouldn't leave till Saturday. Even if we were going to San Francisco, we'd leave on a Saturday. We'd go play the game on Sunday, and we'd fly back immediately after. So we'd get home in the middle of the night or something. But really, that wasn't bad. Sure, uh, we were go- you know we were home six days a week, even on an away game or, or seven days when we had a home game. So. Um, from a player perspective, we could actually spend a lot of time with the family because the off season was long. And uh, when we were in St. Louis, we, we would take probably a three or four day weekend all the time because we lifted four days a week. Once you catch your four days in, you could go, uh, we'd, we'd go to our lake place at Lake of the Ozarks together. Yeah, as a nice. family. So yeah, that was, cool. that was nice. So um, as far as, uh, you know, being family friendly, I think football was probably the most family friendly because okay. I knew some of the guys that played baseball for the Cardinals in St. Okay. Louis and shoot, they'd go on two week, you know, road trips and miss their family. A lot of their families didn't yeah, even, that move, is true. Yeah. didn't even move back to St. Louis and the NBA is probably worse because they just fly in mm-hmm. and just keep playing. They play so many games. I mean, yeah. Uh, Major League Baseball plays 162 games or something like that, isn't it? 160 some. 162, yeah. Yeah, so that's a lot of games. That's a lot. Um, so, but football, where we only played 16 and some playoff games and some preseason games. Training camp being away was probably the toughest part from the family sure. aspect. Now, coaches, the hours that they put in, that probably had to be even oh. worse because they put in some serious. Yeah, hours. I've heard it's nuts. It is. It's crazy. Uh, ooh. Yeah, that's why most players don't become coaches. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be crazy to do it after you, you watch it. You have to put those hours in. It's incredible. So some of those nights when you're coming home from a lift or a practice and you're just really sore, maybe you tweak something and you come through the door and one of your kids comes running up to jump on in, you're kind of like, eh, take it easy on the old man. <laughs> well, yeah, when I retired, I was 35, 36, something like that. And it was like they were calling me and my buddy Andy where they were calling us old man, you know, or yeah. grandpa or whatever at the time. So, <laughs> but, uh, it was kind of fun though. Cause you know, and, and we'd, we'd be down at the lake or whatever. And instead of lift weights, we'd just chuck the kids into the water. There you, you know, go. We'd, we'd kind of shot, put them in. Yeah. So, fun were, exercise. Yeah. They were little at that point. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, so I'm going to get really personal here with you. Okay. I hope you're okay with you it. Bet. So I remember, um, being young and my dad was talking about, I think my grandpa actually knew your dad. I've told this to Mason. I don't remember how, but I remember when he passed. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to, how did your faith affect you 
with the loss of your father while you were playing when that happened and then having like that brotherhood around you while you're in the locker room. I mean, that's got to be pretty comforting when you're going through that to have those guys. And plus, you know, as much as it sucks, be able to say, God, I don't know why this is happening, but I trust you and I love you. And mm-hmm. uh, maybe you can touch on that. Yeah, that, that was definitely a tough time because that was that was 1998 and I, I uh, started and became a Christian in 1995. So I was really growing in my faith and enjoying it and, mm-hmm. and um, just probably at an all time high as far as uh, my faith and my relationship with the Lord. So mm-hmm. um, when uh, when my dad passed, um, I was kind of like, hey, God, this this wasn't part of the deal. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I become a Christian. I give my life to you. And then you take my dad and, and my dad and I were close. We were I mean, I probably got luckily I got to spend a ton of just a ton of time with them because mm-hmm. uh, we would just always had a project on the farm, you know, whether it was mm-hmm. a fencing project or yeah. bailing or raking or planting, whatever the season was, yeah. we were together. And it kind of had a joke that uh, it was me, my dad, and my brother. And this was before they had a lot of crew cab pickups, you know, oh, back yeah. everything was a regular cab. Yeah. Well, some people were like, you guys need an extended cab this way by yeah. the time you <laughs> stuffed the three of us in a cab of a pickup. So um, we, we had an awesome time and I was very blessed to spend a lot of time with my dad and, yeah. and, uh, you know, very thankful. Now I didn't know that it was going to come to an end as quickly as it did. Yeah. But, um, we spent a ton of time together and, um, you know, very thankful for that. And I do remember going through the phase though, where I'm just like, God, you know, this wasn't the deal. Sure. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I actually usually talk about it when I, when I uh, give my testimony because, Hey, the Christian life is not easy. That doesn't mean you're not going to have problems along the way. It doesn't mean your car's not going to break down or you're going to lose a family member or some bad things are going to happen still, but it's the perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, you can still trust God that he's, uh, he's building things into you. He's, you know, he's going to continue to bless you and, and you're, there's going to be tough times though. And, mm-hmm. and that's times when other people can prop you up and, and, uh, and he carries you through those tough times. Sure. How are your teammates in that? time for you. Do you have a lot of guys that really stepped up and you know, were they, there for you? Or? Yeah. They, you know, they were good. You know, there's really not much anybody else can do for you at the time. Sure. Um, it's, it's tough. And it was, it was tough just on my family, my mom and my, my brother and sister, just, yeah. uh, you know, we all lost somebody and, and dad was really the, he was kind of the glue that held everything together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was tough on my brother. He got to kind of take over the farm at the time and, mm-hmm. and a lot of responsibility on him. He just got graduated from, from college. So yeah, he wasn't quite ready to get everything thrown on him, but yeah, uh, he, he did a good job taking that all on. And, and I just kept playing football. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was uh difficult, something you never see happening. He was 51. I'm 51 right now. So hmm. I kind of, I kind of say it a little bit in jest, you know, every day is a bonus, but I believe that, that every day is a you're bonus. Not wrong. Yeah. What are you going to do with today? You know? Yeah. So when your feet hit the floor, you got a decision to make and, and, uh, Hey, we're going to have a great day and, and, uh, you know, we're going to go, uh, take it to the devil, right? He's going to, he should be yep. shuddering when our feet hit the floor, right? Amen to that. <laughs> Yeah, you said how you like will talk talk to that about uh, about your father and going through stuff like that with the FCA kids. I think it's important when you when you go through those really really crummy times, how you respond and how you show God in that is going to be you're going to hopefully lead others to know Him and want to seek Him out because if you're handling that in a way that's still honorable to God, like other people who don't know Him are going to be looking at you and being like, "Well, man, that must." There must be something to that Jesus thing there. Like mm-hmm. he's going through something terrible, unexpected, and but he's still, you know, honoring Christ and saying like Christ is a plan and not blaming him. And it's important that we react, you know, honorable to God when we go through that stuff because it's going to hopefully help 
lead others to him. Yeah. And the one thing I think the, the only piece we can find in that time too, I, I remember watching over this country church, Mount Olive Baptist church. Mm-hmm. Um, they did an altar call. And I remember my dad going forward one night and it's like in that time, that's, I don't know what other piece you can find in that time when you lose mm-hmm. a loved one, but to know that they're going to be in heaven when you mm-hmm. get there. So um, there really is no other piece in a time like that. So, yeah, I have uh it's kind of weird. I'm getting, let's see here. I have three friends who have all, lost their dad three or actually four classmates who have all lost their dad in the past three years. Oh wow. So we're kind of getting at that age, but some of them are believers. Some of them aren't. And you can, it's, you can see the drastic difference in how it was handled. And my two friends who absolutely know Jesus and know that their dads did too. And where they're at compared to the struggle that maybe the ones who didn't have had with it. And so I think it's important to put your faith in God because it's going to be maybe slightly easier Mm -hmm. in those bad times. Yeah. So well, you, you just don't know. You just yeah. don't know how, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you don't know if you're going to pull out here on the highway and get smoked by an 18 wheeler. You need yeah. to know, Hey, I'm going to go be with, be with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to leave that to chance. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to tell as many people as I can that, 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 Hey, this is how you can know you, this is how you can be sure and have that assurance that hey, yeah. I'm going to heaven. So, yeah. Amen. So talking retirement now, maybe this will make you sad. Yeah. <laughs> so did your faith play a prominent role in your decision to retire or working through whether it was the right time or not. And then finding peace in that decision uh, or maybe it was, it was definitely in the decision. I remember talking to Walt Enoch, who was my kind of my mentor. He was an FCA guy, our, our team chaplain. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to him about it. I'm like, I'm trying to decide if God wants me to retire. Um, and, he, and, he's, and I'm like, I'm trying to figure that out. And he's like, well, are you listening? And I'm like, Hmm. He kind of what was very wise. He, the he very could, direct question. Yep, he could he could zing one by and be like, "Oh, you know what? I know what you're saying, Walt. Okay, no." Um, but yeah, it, I think I was ready to retire. Um, just physically, there were some things. I was having some back issues. I had a stress fracture the year before. Mm-hmm. I had a stress fracture and a couple of shoulder surgeries in the off season, and um, that's just hard to come back when you're not able to work out and get in kind of your peak physical physical condition coming into the preseason. That makes for a long season. Sure. And that was how 2005 was for me. So, and I played one year after that. And I was like, it's just hard to, excuse me, if mm-hmm. you if you can't be in the best shape you can be in and to start a season off, it's just a long, grueling season if you're, if you're yeah. not physically where you need to be. So, that made a, made a tough year. Um, I felt like I could have probably, I, I met, I met an awesome uh, massage lady, Adrian, and a great chiropractor my, my last year. And I maybe could have played longer if I'd have met them like five years sooner or something. Sure. But I really think it was it was time. It was time to retire. And, yeah. and the competition kept getting younger and I kept getting older. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I enjoyed it. And um, uh, actually, I was involved in a study through I think Harvard was doing a study on former NFL players and and my transition. And they were asking me a bunch of questions and how I saw myself and the different things. And, and finally, the lady just stops talking to me. She's like, OK, that's it. I don't need to ask any more questions. I'm like. That was kind of actually short. She's like, well, yeah, she goes, uh, and I said, can I ask what the results were or what you guys? And she's like, well, I can see you're different than probably every other guy that I've ever talked to. Cause he, she goes, you never really identified yourself as being a football player. And I'm like, okay. Hmm. And she said, that's, that's what, and she goes, that's what I'm going to chalk it up. The, you transitioned yeah. out of football so easily because you never saw yourself as being any, and like yeah. back to your question, did you dream of being an NFL player? And I really didn't. Um, She's like, that's you, you identified as being just a farm kid from Iowa, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I do. I still do. So, um, yeah, it was kind of interesting to, to learn that, I guess. 
Well, when you think about that, that might be obviously why God took you on the path he did to obviously meet Reggie White and some of these great men you've talked about to get to know him. But also he probably, you know, he saw way down the road that you weren't maybe going to struggle and be tormented by this and that you were going to honor him through it and find peace in it. And, you know, maybe that's why you got chosen. Yeah. To be one of the lucky few to play football. Well, I think <laughs> I think it is um, definitely sometimes you don't know when – God is directing you. But when I look back on it, I'm like, I know he had me sitting in that chair in the basement of the dorm for that Bible study that mm-hmm. night. And, you know, like I say, some of those little decisions that you make just turn mm-hmm. into big decisions. But, um, yeah, you don't know how, how he's kind of working out things behind, you know, behind the scenes for you. But, sure. But uh, thankful that he did. Yeah. So did you ever um, – was your plan the whole time to move back and farm or – because your a, wife is also from the area. Yeah, yep. That was always our plan was to go go play football. And I used to kind of tell you know tongue in cheek a little bit, but to say I hope hopefully I have a long uh, NFL career so I can afford to farm for a year or two. Yeah. <laughs> it is expensive. <laughs> it Woo! is. It's expensive. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And now you. So when did you start working with the FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes? Um, well, in uh, when I was in St. Louis, I went. Well, that was my first exposure because we didn't have FCA in high school. Okay. And Walt Enoch, he he started FCA in St. Louis back way back to the Branch Ricky days. Um, oh, okay. He was the manager of the Cardinals. Okay. So, um, Walt was like one of the founding fathers in St. Louis. So, one year, um, so my first year there in St. Louis, um, Fred Miller asked me, "Hey, you want to come down and work this camp, this FCA camp?" All right. So I went down to Cuba, Missouri, and worked this FCA camp. Him and Kevin Carter were doing it, and uh, spoke to the kids, worked with some kids and whatnot. And it was kind of cool. And well, then the camp burned down uh, down in Cuba. Uh, I don't know what happened, if it was arson or something happened, but the camp Jeez. burned down. So um, the next year, of course, they didn't have camp. Well, then like the third year after that, I'm like, hey, well, why are we not having an FCA football camp in St. Louis? Whether, you know, and they're like, well, we decided not to, to rebuild the camp or whatever. Um, I'm like, we got to have – I'm like, this is St. Louis. We have a professional football team. Mm-hmm. We can't do a camp in St. Louis. So mm-hmm. I kind of was prodding him to start – a camp back in St. Louis. So we got that going. We did it at a, at a school. I'm trying to think of which college there in St. Louis we did the first one uh, at again. Well, then Walt asked me, he said, hey, do you want to serve on our board in St. Louis? I'm like, yeah, sure. So uh, one of the board requirements was uh, each year you had to go to a huddle meeting um, as one of your uh, things you had to do to be mm-hmm. a board member. So I went to a huddle meeting at a coach's house in St. Charles where we lived, and, and uh, it was in his basement. Well, they had kids actually leading other kids in small groups. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, we need this when we move back to Cherokee because that was always our plan. And I came home, I remember being all fired up about it and telling my (laughs) wife, I'm like, we got to do this in our high school in Cherokee. Well, when we moved back, they actually had it already. But um, I was like, just just a great proponent of that because I'm like, how would it be? How much power do you have when you're a senior football player and there's a freshman saying, if you said, hey, you need to come to the huddle meeting tonight, the FCA huddle meeting tonight, I'd be like, Yes, sir. I'll be yeah. there. You know, so that's that's kind of the yep. using that influence in a positive way. I yeah, just, I just, absolutely. Uh, you know, loved what was going on in St. Louis FCA, and and I uh, wanted to bring that back here to Cherokee. So when I was a football coach, when Mason was in high school, I was the FCA coach too. So I do huddles. We do it on. Uh, I think we did it on Tuesday nights. Okay, Tuesdays or Wednesday nights. I'd buy the guys pizza and and we'd open our Bible and and do some devotions and and it was it was pretty cool. So um, then. I did the John Deere dealership thing. Yep. I, I owned part of them 
while I was playing. And okay. then when I retired, um, I went back and helped manage them. So when we moved back to Iowa, then I did that for 10 years. I was the general manager of sure. Icon Ag Solutions. And, yep. and um, so then we, we were, um, John Deere came to us and wanted us to buy like 20 dealerships. And we had five at the time. And I said, uh, I don't know if we really want to own 20, but I'll take this to our board. And they, sure. were, they were all owners. They brought me in to be one of the younger people to bring in some youth, you know. <laughs> well, then, because most of those guys were like in their 60s and 70s. Sure. And one of them had passed away at that time. And, and we were pretty much like, hey, we don't want to own 20 locations. We're not the right ownership group. So we said, we're, we're probably going to sell. So um, there was AgriVision was another dealer south of yep. us. And, and since they were trying to get people to own 20 of them, they had to buy us, so it was a good time to sell. So we sold, and, and it was a good, uh, financially a good move for us. Perfect. And um, I was serving then on the Iowa State FCA board, and Dave Turnbull was was in charge of the state at the time. And he said, well, now what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't given it a thought yet. And he's like, well, we need an area director for Northwest Iowa FCA. I'm like, okay, let me let me pray about that. And Sure. And I just, you know how when God just speaks to you, sometimes you're just like, Okay. Yep. He was training me to do this job then when I was working and doing the John Deere dealership yeah. thing. Cause I had no idea how to interview anybody or the hiring process or, you know, whatever labor, labor yeah. laws, anything like that. I never, I just didn't have that skill set before sure. I started working at Icon. So, um, I really think he was training me then to do what I'm doing now for FCA. So awesome. And I'm just, I'm in charge of hiring and, and, uh, uh, managing uh, our area reps so that's that's been fun we got a great group of guys and and uh we're let's see we got another guy who's going to be coming on here in a month or two um so we're going to be up to about seven seven guys and we had one when i first started so how about that we're kind of growing and and it's been fun to just that's watch god, god work and and there's some awesome things happening in high schools and mostly in high schools some middle schools um it's just been fun to watch god work you can't stop God when he wants something done. That's right. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's uh my dad had a big had a big role in my faith uh ever since I've been old enough to understand uh, what he was saying when he was talking. He's always talked about Jesus and never wavered in his faith. And I think it's pretty evident now and I've gotten to know your son Mason mm. really well over the last year and your daughter who's in the youth group or Mason's now the youth pastor. And so I'd say you've done a pretty good job as a father leading them in faith because, man, I mean, Mason talks about you regularly. <laughs> and uh, Jada, she said stuff about you too. So so I think you're doing a good job. Well, their mom Fathers did. have they're a big mom. influence. And I, I bet she did too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They probably were, they maybe were with her more than you there for a little while. They probably in were. Life. Yeah, they probably were. So, so awesome. Um, I got two more random thoughts. Okay. I've, I've always forget to tell you this when I'm with you. For being a retired NFL lineman, your fingers are all pretty straight, I must say. Yeah. They're not too bad for it, some of those ones you see that are kind of gross. That's, pro that's probably my worst one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Tory Holtz are Some terrible. of those guys are just bad. Yeah, some of them are bad. It's hard on your hands. I mean, they, mine don't really look too bad, but they're like that's probably the one thing that will hurt my back because maybe – one of the issues, but it's not terrible. I feel pretty good. I mean, I look at some of the people I yeah. graduated high school with and I'm like, they're in worse shape than me and they didn't play 12 years in the NFL. So I feel, <laughs> I feel pretty good. God's taking care of me. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right. One random final thought you see, I think of Marshall Yonda specifically, uh, Jeff Saturday, some of these guys who are linemen in the NFL, you see them retire. And then like six months later, they're like 70 pounds lighter. Mm -hmm. Is it, hard to keep the weight on while you're playing as a lineman like you got to really try and does this just fall off naturally because it's the transformation is wild sometimes mm -hmm. how all of a sudden these guys retire and they're all of a sudden down to 200 
40, 50 pounds. Yeah. I mean, does it just fall off like that or? Well, it was kind of funny because we did our 25 year reunion at uh, Green Bay here for the 20, for the Super Bowl. Okay. And um, yeah, some guys either got bigger, some guys got smaller. It was funny. <laughs> some of the defensive backs were like, gosh, who's that lineman over there? And it's like, oh, yeah, he's, he used to play corner, you know? And uh, some of the linemen, you're like, who's that cornerback over there? Oh, that's, he, they played tackle. It's like, oh. So yeah, either guys either get, you either get bigger or smaller, and, yeah. and uh, I haven't got quite figured out the formula. But for me personally, and I think for Jeff Saturday, though, some of those guys, it's like I had to force myself to gain the weight. Yeah. So the weight came off pretty easily when I got done. Now, now though, now it's harder for me. To, I got to pay attention to what I'm doing. The holidays were good to me. Oh I, yeah. I probably need to get back on some <laughs> kind of controlled diet. But um, yeah, it is funny when you get done. I mean, I played at like 315. I'm probably down to 260. Anywhere from 240 to 260 is where I kind of crazy play now, but. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's been kind of, that was a good gig though, to keep the weight on. I mean, we were sponsored by Kris- yeah. Krispy Kreme, so. Oh man, you can't beat it. What a life. <laughs> I remember the first Krispy Kreme I ever ate. I'm like, oh my goodness, this thing is awesome. It just, it was like good. eating air, you know, yes, they're sugary very good. air. But. <laughs> All right. Next October, you and me will train together and then we'll get you to play in the Turkey Bowl. Okay. On Thanksgiving morning. I was impressed with that. Yeah. You yeah. got some quicks. There's some players there. I there mean, is. there were, there were some guys with some talent. That was, that was just a lot of fun. It was um, so much fun. I was, I was like, I'm not sure about this whole deal. I'm going to probably going to, you know, go over there and blow something out. So, but I think <laughs> it's definitely, you need cleats. Yes. You have to have cleats. I didn't, I didn't realize, yeah, that it was quite, it's, it's, I don't know. What would you call it? It's not intense, but it's, it's kind of, it's fun intense. Maybe. Yeah. maybe that's how I would describe it. It's, fun intensity. Fun intensity. There you go. Yeah. It's not, it's not like really right there, but it's, it's, it's a good tempo. It's, it's yep. just a lot of fun. All righty. Well, Adam, I am incredibly grateful that you took the time to talk to me. Um, I know you're busy and uh, we haven't known each other a long time, but I'm thankful for the friendship we have built in three, four months. And I look forward to many more Sundays in church with you and conversations about football. And now that I got you as a resource every now and then, if I have a question about alignment, I might text you and be like, I don't know what was, what was going on in this play? Yeah, what happened? His there? technique looked a little off. Can you confirm or deny this? <laughs> I always give my wife a hard time. Cause she'll like, she'll notice stuff about the O line, you know, we're yeah. watching football now. And I'm like, I think she's watched enough. She could about break down film. So I'm like, sometimes I'd hate it when she'd be like, I get home. Hey, what happened on that one play where you like pulled out? I'm like, let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, feel free to text me. No, I've enjoyed getting to know you too, Adam. You do, you do a great job with this. This is, it is fun. I'm impressed because sometimes you can always tell when somebody you know knows what they're doing in an interview because they don't just like, okay, well, what do you think? And then yeah. like, don't lead you, but you do a nice job of uh, asking the questions and, and leading the conversation. So I've enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah. God has definitely given me the gift of gab. <laughs> there is no doubt about that. I Mason can attest to this. When I come to Bible study on Tuesday nights, and I've been by myself on the farm all day long. I just talk and talk and talk and just, I just, I'd love to talk. I like to be around people. And so podcasting just came natural. It's just one more outlet to talk. Yeah. Well, the cattle don't talk back. And no, they, they don't. You know, so yeah. Yeah. They're very stubborn. They're good, they're good listeners though. They yeah. are very good listeners. 